Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Getting ready to finish this uh, series that we're on, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your holy word. Father, thank you as we look into your word, we reverence your word. Thank you for helping us open it up. Uh, cause it to be simple, easy to understand, and it ministers to everybody on every single level. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to review, we're doing this series on charting your course for 2016. So on January the 3rd, Murray started it off, uh, and he ministered on God and his usage for words because God put a huge value on words, and God used words to create everything, okay? And then on January the 10th, Jenny, Jenny ministered on what God said about our words, uh, and God's, not only did he use words, but God said things about our words. And so uh, God knows, as much as he used his words, he wants us to know how important our words are. And then on the 17th, uh, Grant ministered on our beliefs influence our words, and it's important to know that your words are formed by what you believe, so believing the right thing is huge, okay? And then last Sunday, David ministered on our words influence our life. And it's important to know that, that, you know, we're just not able to go around and just blab and talk any way that we want to, but our words are important. And uh, anything that we believe and say consistent, consistently makes a difference. I, I worked uh, in a machine shop um, and, and uh, many... 35 plus years ago, I was a machinist, and it was the same place that my father worked for, so I was working with my father's friends also, and there was this one friend that my father had, his name was Andy, and Andy always would tell me, he said, I got a pain right here, it hurts right here in my side, he goes, and I think it's cancer, I think I got cancer, and he told me that all the time, and you know, Andy got cancer and he died. Now, he wasn't a Christian, I wasn't a Christian back then, I didn't understand the power of what we believe and what we believe and say consistently. I didn't understand any of that. But all I know is every time I saw Andy, I go, Andy, how you doing? You know, and he goes, oh, I got a pain right here and it hurts. And he goes, I think it's cancer. He said, I, I, I know it's cancer. He would even say, I know it's cancer. And he, 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 so you understand believing the right stuff and saying the right stuff on a consistent basis is really important. And so that's, that's what we... Uh, believe around here. Okay, I just want to, before we minister, let you know about this wonderful book. This is called How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. And so if you even want to know more, it's hard to cover everything on Sundays, but this book is a great book on knowing how to be led by God's Spirit. We have it back there available. So if you want to buy that and read it, you can learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. God wants to lead you by His Spirit. He wants to lead you into truth. He wants to lead you into victory. He wants to lead you into peace. He wants you to lead you into healing. He wants to lead you into prosperity. He just wants to lead you uh, by His Spirit. So that's a great book. Okay, so today, what I, the last Sunday of this series, what I'd like to uh, cover today, just calling it the order of importance. The order of importance. And you may be a guest and you don't know a lot about me, but those that know a lot about me, they know that before I knew Jesus, you know, I was a troublemaker. And uh, when I was in school, I didn't know Jesus. So I was one of the ones that always, the teacher made me stand in the corner. 
and I was always like that. So I, you know, I know they have assessments now, and you either pass or fail, I guess, but back in my day, we had A, B, C, D, and F, and I was the D and F guy, except for mechanical drawing and shop. I like to build things with wood, and I was mechanical drawing. I like that. Everything else was D and F, grammar, English, you know, all that stuff. Don't ever ask me to type a paper for you, that kind of a thing. So I got, so to tell you how amazing God is, he'll put phrases in me, and I'm thinking, okay, this phrase came, I'm, I'm single, what should I minister on today? And a phrase comes into my spirit, the order of importance. And I, so I type it in the, the Google browser, the order of importance. And lo and behold, it's an established phrase that even comes along with a definition. So it's like, I think, you know, I, I didn't do so good in school, but I got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. He's a lot smarter than I am. So here's the definition of the order importance. It's this, it means arranged according to degree of importance. Arranged according to degree of importance. So with God, he always would have an order of importance, just like people out in the world at work. There can be an order of importance. If you're going to start up a business, there's certain things you do to get that business up and running. You would have a list. And there's some things you need to do before other things. There's an order of importance. Well, with spiritual things, there can be an order of importance. So we're going to talk about that today. As far as having a fruitful and productive Christian life, what would be the order of importance? What would be the most important thing that we could do as Christians to have a fruitful Christian life, okay? Now, it's not, it's not going to be very deep here. There's no big secret about what I'm going to say, but here's the first thing. Number one is put the Word of God first place in your life. Now, that's not real exciting maybe for some. You think, I, I was expecting something a little bit more catchy. There's really nothing more catchy than that, putting the Word of God first place. So Psalm 119 and verse 105, it says this, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And we grew up uh, in our first house that we lived in growing up, it was right, it was in a neighborhood and we had like woods behind our house. And we would sleep out and we would always like set our tent up right at the edge of the woods. You know, and sometimes we would venture into the woods in the dark, you know, and it's, it's, you know, and we had this one neighbor, we would sleep out with our neighbor friends, and one of them was afraid, and so one of my brothers would always start telling scary stories about stuff that happens in the woods at night, and he would end up going home before the night, because he, he thought somebody was going to reach into the tent and pull him out while he was sleeping, it, it, so it was fun, but you know, <laughs> I can Yes, <laughs> if you're cheeky, it was fun, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, if you ever, we, you try to walk in the woods in the dark, I mean, you can hit your head on tree branches, you can step, I, I remember stepping, uh, it was, I did this in the lights, there was a, a, a board with a nail going through it, and one time my foot stepped right on, and the nail went right through my foot, you know, uh, because you, you can't see, you can step on anything, hit your head, you know, scratch your arms, all that kind of stuff when you're walking in the dark. Well, uh, that's in the natural. You know, there's things in life that come up, you know, that they confront us, and a lot of times we might not, well, what should I do here? Like this thing is right there, it's confronting me, 
and what should I do about it? And so what we see here, it's like your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Uh, The word of God has the answer for every single thing that will confront us in life. It will light up the path. It will light our way up. It's the answer for everything. Here's one thing about the word. You know, it's supernatural. God's word is supernatural, but it's not always spectacular. And an older person with a lot of wisdom uh, used to say this all the time. He would say this. He said, many miss the supernatural because they're looking for the spectacular. And sometimes uh, we can do that. We can focus and we can look for something spectacular. And all along when we're looking for the spectacular, the supernatural is right there in front of us. And we don't want to miss the supernatural because we're looking for something uh, spectacular. So it's important to know that God's Word, the Bible even says, it's alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is alive and it is supernatural. So here's a few thoughts about it. The Word of God will never become obsolete, outdated, or old-fashioned. So when I first got saved over 35 years ago now, and I went to our first, the first church I went to was a small Pentecostal church in Warren, Ohio, and that was like 35 plus years ago. So uh, that was back when the King James Bible was, you know, there's a lot of different translations now, but we would say thee and thou, you know, and, and then if somebody would ever like give a word out, they would say thee and thou. Well, we don't really say thee and thou in modern day, you know, that's not how we speak English. Oz, I know my accent is U.S., uh, but, you know, I'm from Northern America, but we didn't say thee and thou. Uh, the Southerners didn't say thee and thou. The Aussies don't say thee and thou. And if you went to Great Britain today, they no longer say thee and thou either. It's back, it's old King James. And so we don't change God's word but it's always relevant, but we may change some of the way we deliver it. So we don't have to say thee and thou. It still works to say you, me, he, they, you know. It's instead of, it's, so you understand the word of God is always going to be relevant, but it can be delivered differently. So it's never going to be obsolete, outdated, old-fashioned. You know, it, it just might be delivered differently. Okay, now, you know, the banks, and I know they have new money now, and the money that they're making nowadays is hard to counterfeit. Uh, It's almost like a plastic, the Aussie money. I think Australia was one of the first nations to come up with a money that was hard to to, uh, counterfeit, and the rest of the world is kind of copying Australia. But back in the old days, uh, they would have the bankers hold the money, touch the money, study the money, look at it, feel it, feel the money. And so then when somebody would hand them money that would be counterfeit, they were so familiar with the real money, they would know that's not money, that's not real money, that's counterfeit. They familiarized themselves with the real thing, and then when the false thing showed up, they were aware of it. This is a good thing that we can do as Christians. We, fami- we get so familiar with truth. God's word is truth. We feed on it. We handle it. Hold it. Touch it. It gets so real to us. So when something untrue pops up, we recognize that's not true. 
because we're so familiar with the truth. And so putting God's word, that's like a decision that I'm going to put God's word first place in my life, okay? So that would kind of mean like in, our, in your life when something pops up, you would think, well, what does God's word say about that? What does God's word say about that? Some, of the, some funny things uh, that happen at various times that uh, I always thought they were funny. There was a church and somebody stood up, uh, or it was maybe right after praise and worship, somebody start giving a word out. And it was like, uh, I am the Lord and I come as the rain and I come as the sun. And, and I come, and then it was like, and I come as Santa Claus. You know, and so the pastor says, um, Sir, sit down, please. Brother, sit down. That's not right. You're wrong. Well, that's so obvious. I mean, you know, we, don't, we know that he doesn't come as Santa Claus. That's really obvious. But when you know the truth, you know what's not right. And then another church, somebody got up and they began to say, My little children, do not be afraid. But if you are afraid, that's okay. I get afraid myself sometimes. Well, we all know that God is sitting up in heaven, and he's not afraid up there. It even says that he sits up in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs at danger. He's not afraid. And so the pastor said, brother, sit down. That's not right. So you wouldn't want to have to have that happen in front of everybody where you get stopped like that. But when you're very familiar with the truth, when something is said that isn't true, you recognize it immediately. The best way to have success in Christianity is to get very familiar and put God's word first place in your life, okay? Here's another scripture, Psalm 119 and verse 30. It says, understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. Well, the Bible says that we're spiritual, so we're not in a sense totally ordinary, but we're people, we're flesh and blood, and I like that scripture because it says, when you understand God's word, it brings light. And that's the edge we have. You know, our edge is even though we're flesh and blood, when we accept Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us, and now we are supernatural. We're not just carnal or fleshly. That word would mean flesh. We're just not flesh, but we're also spirit. And we have that edge. And so we are a supernatural people with a supernatural word. God's word is supernatural, okay? So we always ask ourselves, what, what, would, God, what, what would the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this? Um, this, this just happened with Patsy. Uh, we were, I visited my parents, uh, and she flew away for one week to see her mother and father in Colorado. They're, both of our p- families our, my parents are 88 years old now, and her, her father and mother are 80-something, uh, 82 or 3 or 4. But her mother, uh, her knees were all swollen up. So, you know, you get 80-something years old, and she went to the doctor, and her, her, it was one of them. It was like both of them were big. And she says, what, you know, the doctor, she goes, well, what is that? And he goes, well, you have rheumatoid, is it? You have rheumatoid arthritis. So, you know, it's easy to just say, okay, well, I'm 80-something years old, and, and I'll just accept it. But that's not the way her mother is. <laughs> so her mother began to lay hands on her legs and speak to her legs. And how long did it take? It happened while she, Patsy was there for about one week. 
before Patsy left there, she went back to the doctor and said, my legs, like, look, her legs were totally normal, everything gone. And the doctor said, I've never seen anything happen like that for somebody that's over 80 years old. But you, you see, we're, we're, we're a natural people, but yet we have supernatural ability because of God's word. And so you say, well, what, is, what does God's word say about that? You know, so, so the medical doctors fight the same enemy that we fight, and they're really out to relieve and help people of the same enemy we are. And so when a medical doctor says, well, this is what's wrong with you, they're helping you to identify what you, then you can say, okay, the medical doctor helped identify this. Now, what does your word say about this? And then you go to God and you do something with his word. Okay, here's another scripture, 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine. Now, I, I love that because everything you need in life, the natural life, and also the godliness, the spiritual life, everything that we need, God gives it to us. So that's why if you decide, I'm going to put God's word first, if you put God's word first, every single thing in your life will be taken care of because it has the answer for everything. Okay, and then if you keep reading that, it says, uh, it says um, everything we need for life and godliness, and I like this, through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own, I like that, his own glory and goodness. So you weren't called, and I wasn't called because of anything great we did. I mean, I was bad, and I needed a savior. Some people think they were okay, and they, and they're not, they weren't that, but you, whether you were bad or you thought you were not so bad, you, we all need a savior. And so it was because of his own glory and goodness. I had no goodness. I know my older brother told me when I got saved, he goes, you're bad, you needed that, I don't need it. So my job was to convince my older brother that he needed a savior because he didn't think he did anything wrong. And he, he's born again, he's been born again, thank the Lord. But, but it's not our goodness, it's his, so he did it. But I like that it says everything we need in life, it's through our knowledge of him. So here's the thing, when we find out who he is, when we find out what he has and we find out what he can do, you know what that results in? Then we find out who we are, we find out what we have, and we find out what we can do. So knowledge of him brings the answers. And Jesus even said this. He said, the works that I do shall you do also. Why did he say that? He said, whatever I, whatever I have done, you can do. So it's all in there, knowledge of him. Find out who he is. Find out what he has. Find out what he can do. That's how we discover who we are. That's how we discover what we have. And that's how we discover what we can do. It's all in him. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Look at this next verse. The next verse says, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So you notice here we're talking about putting the word first place. Notice very great and precious promises. The way into the supernatural, and notice how it says that, that through the, very, the great and precious promises, that through them we can participate in the divine nature. So God is divine. 
He is not just normal, but He's divine. And the way you participate with divinity, the way you participate with supernatural, it says that He's given us these great and precious promises. And through these things, we can participate. In other words, even though we're people, and even though we're flesh and blood, when we start putting God's Word first place, we enter into a different realm, and we participate and operate in the realm of the supernatural. We partake of His divine nature. It's pretty awesome. So when we're talking about charting our course, what the order of importance, number one, you want to put God's Word first place. Okay, so... Uh, in so doing, look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, you know, the up and down, tossed to and fro, all around kind of life. Ephesians 4, 14, it says, so we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. So I'm not walking out of love I believe strongly in walking in love. I believe strongly in honoring the ministers of God. I believe strongly in honoring the entire body of Christ. So what I'm going to say is not walking out of love, but we have to at least admit that there's some people out there, they teach the wrong thing. They don't teach everything that's correct. So because there's wrong teaching going on, it creates then people are being tossed back and forth, up and down and all around. Like, you know, jump into a washing machine, you know. And, and so here's the wonderful thing. You put God's Word first place and you get grounded in the Word of God and it's no longer tossed back and forth, up and down and all around. But what it does is putting God's Word first place brings stability. It's, it's stability. And it's a wonderful thing to have this stability where you recognize, well, that's right, but that's not quite right. You know, and everybody, I'm sure that I've said things, sometimes they don't come out quite right. So we don't want to become critical and we want to honor, but we also want to know that we need to know what truth is and what truth is not, okay? So here, you know, this happened when I was living in Tulsa a long time ago, uh, but three of my friends, they convinced me to go to Oklahoma City from Tulsa. It's about an hour and a half drive. And there was a lady at the time that was getting popular. She would have like, uh, like a cut would show up and blood would come out with oil out of her hands. And I really wasn't interested. I, like that. I thought, you know, I got Jesus. I have his word. I'm doing totally fine. Really don't want to go. But my friends convinced me to go listen to this lady. So we went. And she said some things. And then she had an altar call. And uh, when everyone came up, you know, well, she, no, um, she, had an, she actually called us four up. She wanted to say something. So us four went up, and I kind of, you know, gave her a look like, I'm not just going to receive anything. It was one of those kind of looks, like I'm, I'm a little bit leery of this. As a result of my look, it was one of those looks. I'm making it, I sounded a little more brutal in the earlier service. I've, I've, I'm saying it better here. Uh, I did not get a word. She, she didn't say anything to me. The other three got a word. Okay, but here's the thing. I didn't feel right. See, when you know what truth is and you know, you don't feel always right in, in your spirit, man. And I thought, something's not right here. About two months later, or three, I don't know how long, 
she was discovered as being a fraud, you know, and, and, you know, and so it, it, it came out. And so what am I trying to say? You know, if you put God's word first and you get familiar and you, you hold and, and meditate on and, and make the word first place in your life, you don't have to be concerned about getting deceived here or deceived there. You will know and you'll even know in your spirit what's right and wrong. Does that make sense? And because God, God, He wants us to be stable and not tossed around all the time. Second uh, Timothy three and verse sixteen it says, "Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for convincing, for correction of error, and for the instruction in right doing." And and so it's all. You notice how the Word of God, how important it is. The Word of God is teaching. Teaching is uh, can be doctrine, and doctrine is something that can be systemized where it's. It's doctrine explains things. There's a starting point and even a finishing point. And if you, you can lay a foundation. So if you're teaching on a subject, when we talk about doctrine, you can start teaching on a subject. And while, when you're teaching on that subject, you can lay it out in an orderly fashion from A, B, C, and D, and it helps people to understand there's teaching like that. It's called doctrine. And, you know, and, and that's what you uh, have in the Scripture. So you get founded by these kind of things and you don't get tossed back to and fro okay and here's another thought along these lines too we're getting near the end here and jesus is going to be coming back soon but because that's going to happen that we're coming near the end it doesn't mean things in god's word will change because we're getting close so uh, i i was uh, years ago i was in a meeting one time and and the guy ministering was getting more and more excited and getting really loud. And he said, and I'll tell you another thing, there's going to come a time when God's not going to be using these people anymore to lay hands, but it's just going to, everything's just going to fall right down from heaven. Well, I don't know who hurt him and why he was upset with people that laid hands on people, but I thought, well, that's good. But no, God, because there is actually a doctrine, it's called the laying on of hands, there is actually a teaching and it's a very systematic teaching that you can teach the doctrine of the laying on of hands, God will continue to use the laying on of hands. He will continue to, to deliver things by the laying on of hands. But on the other side of that coin, I have been in meetings where I've seen things fall directly from heaven. And I've seen people walk out of wheelchairs in meetings and no one ever laid hands on them. Both things are going to always continue to happen. They'll both continue to happen. So I, I would love to have it all. I would love to have the glory of God falling down and seeing people get healed without anybody laying hands. But it doesn't mean we're going to leave a, the laying on of hands because it's in the Bible and we'll continue to lay hands on it. Does that make sense? So even though things are getting excited and Jesus is coming back soon, all the things that God laid out in the Word will continue to be that way. That's just the way that He is. Um, and, I, and I think it's nice. It brings stability, doesn't it? Okay, so look at John chapter 13. And uh, here's the second thing we want to talk about before we look at that. Just two things today, and, and I'm, I'm very aware of the time. We do have our water baptism service right after this today, and I really, we, our baptism services are real special here. So if you can stay around, you'll really love the water baptism service, okay? Second thing we just want to make a point of today is this put the word first place but number two is God's word agrees with his spirit okay 
God's Word agrees with His Spirit. And so uh, here's the thing. You're never going to receive a word from God, uh, from the Holy Spirit, that disagrees with God's written Word. Okay? And so even along these lines, like there was a man one time that said the Lord spoke to him and told him to leave his wife and to marry another lady. Well, I, I kind of struggle with that because, you know, once you get married, it's kind of like you sh- it's there. So I don't, it's one thing if something changes like with a marriage and, and it happens that way, but I don't think the Lord is saying to do it. Okay, so the Holy Spirit won't say something different than the Bible. So you don't want to say, well, God told me to do that. Now, it can end up that way, and God is merciful, and he restores all people's lives and everything. He's a restoring God, and, and it's, it doesn't mean it's the end, okay? But don't say, well, the Lord told me that. Now, let me just put this in here to make sure you guys know that I, I'm not. If, they're, if somebody's being physically abused, the Lord would probably say leave. So I want you to know physical abuse and all that kind of stuff, the Lord wouldn't want anybody in that, okay? So... Please understand and be ba- listen to me in a balanced way, okay? Um, but, you know, God, the, 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 the Spirit of God will not say something contrary to the Word of God, okay? Okay, so along those lines, here's a scripture, John chapter 16 and verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, here's this same scripture in a different translation. It says, the Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He will tell you only what he has heard from me, and he will let you know what is going to happen. So God wants to let us know what will happen, but he also he will lead us into truth. So you put God's word first place, but then we all need to know when the Holy Spirit is in operation, the first thing the Holy Spirit will do is lead us to God's word. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is leads us into truth. So we put God, we make a choice, I'm going to put God's word first. Well, we're not alone when we do that because the Holy Spirit will hook up with that and then the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But then on top of that, there's certain things that aren't in the Bible. So I could never find a scripture to say, move to Australia. But the Holy Spirit made it clear to my wife and I that we were to move to Australia. And then when we got here, we thought, this is like home. And so this is different because we lived on four continents. We started off in Italy. Then we were in Asia and Singapore. But when we came here, it's like the Holy Spirit says, this is like where you are coming. But then we thought, like, not only that, this is like home. So different here, we became citizens here because we thought it seems like we're going to stay here. But I, there's, I never found a scripture in the Bible about that. It's like we just followed. So he, you put God's word first. The God, when God knows you decide, I'm going to put the word first. We're not alone. The Holy Spirit comes and helps lead us and guide us into the truth. But then the Holy Spirit will also do those other things and show us things to come, like plans and purposes I like when Lecky prayed today. Lecky, I like when he used plans and purposes. God will show us plans and purposes. Praise God. So here's like in closing, just some practical things, application. Okay, so here's the thought. If God's word declares it, then it is already his will. 
So why am I saying that? Well, because sometimes people will actually pray about something that God already did and it's settled. So here's an example. Look at like 1 Peter 2.24. Uh, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we may cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. So that's past tense. So you understand as a Christian now, because if by his wounds we're healed and it's past tense, then what that causes us to pray different. We're not asking God for something he already did, but our, then our goal is to learn how to receive what is already ours. You see the difference. And so you put God's word first place, and then by doing that, you think, okay, if it already says it, it's already mine. So my then, my goal then is to learn how to receive what already belongs to me. All right, here's another example, just practical things here. Uh, uh, 4.16, it says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. So again, if, it, if the word of God declares it, then it is already his will. And we heard this today when Lindy received the offering. So he's talking about giving, and he says, you did it more than once. In other words, these are consistent givers. So then look at the next verse. Uh, it says, we're a couple verses down. It says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches. So here's the thing. If you're a giver and you plant finances in the body of Christ, you don't have to wonder what the will of God is. And I know, I know sometimes people say, oh, you know, this whole thing with prosperity, is that really God? Well, I, I would think it is because, I mean, that scripture says God, he's going to supply all of our needs. Now, greed is one thing, and greed is not God. But as long as we don't get into greed, we can maybe at least say, well, okay, the scripture says he's going to supply all of our needs. So I'm not going to uh, be greedy, but I am going to stand on at least what the truth is. If I'm a consistent giver, God will supply all of my needs. So those are just even some practical applications. One last thing, and we'll pray here. Uh, so here's another one. God confirms his word with signs. So look at this. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied us. So here, here's the thing. Like, we have to know anything that we teach or preach on, God wants to bring that to pass or confirm it. So today, there's a number of things I said. I mean, we had a script. We, it, by his stripes, we're healed. I declared by the stripes. That has been declared. God wants to confirm it. If you have pain or sickness in your body, he wants to confirm. Anything that's taught or preached, we don't really, it, we don't have to like pray about it because God wants to do it. They went about t and they preached the word and then God worked with the word in them. God works with his word and he confirms the word with signs following. So when we decide to put the word first place, we have to know that anything we teach or preach, God wants to bring that to pass and make that real in our life. Okay, we ran out of time today, but that's enough for one Sunday. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for uh, each person here, Lord. And uh, before we um, invite people, Lord, I, we just pray in advance. Uh, we pray for our water baptism service, Lord that it will be a special time together. I just thank you that from the beginning till the end of that water baptism service, it'll be a blessed time. Father, before we dismiss today, in the event that somebody's with us this morning, 
and they were in the same category that I was. They did not know Jesus as their Savior. I just asked, Lord, that we don't leave this place until they have an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior like I had. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.